I believe that God will raise up a prophetic voice in this church. But every prophetic word you hear, you need to weigh it against the book. You know why? Because if you don't, you'll hear all sorts of crazy stuff. You'll shipwreck your life of faith. Because no prophet will point you away from this book. This is why God gave us his word for a reason. In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to share some of the ways that God talks to his people. And the primary way is through his word. Every other way needs to be filtered through the word of God, because without that crucial step, things can get weird in the wrong way. When you hear from the Lord, bring what you hear straight to the word of God. Then even when God tells you crazy things, you can be sure it's from him. Now, Here's Pastor Daniel in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 3, as he continues his message, God's Strange Plan. I want to take it aside for a second. Because if I had a nickel for every time I met a single Christian gal who's dating a non-Christian guy. And they say, well, I'm dating him so that he'll come to know Jesus. Listen, missionary dating is dumb. I said it, I did. It's dumb. I want to tell you why it's dumb. Because guys are smart, kind of. Dudes, we're going to be real, right? We're smart, kind of, right? Guys are smart, so all of a sudden there's this young girl, and she's cute, and she loves Jesus, and she's so bright and shiny, and a guy's like, yeah, I want to marry that girl. And she's like, well, I love Jesus, I go to Crossroads, and and he's like, okay, I'll go to Crossroads. Now, he doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, right? But he sees, he's like, if I'm going to be able to marry this cute girl who's so bright and shiny, right? And if I'm going to be able to marry her, then I need to go to Crossroads. You go to Crossroads, and all of a sudden, she's like, you need to go home, go forward and give your life to Jesus. You got to go see Pastor Daniel up there. And he's like, okay, I can do that. Okay. So all of a sudden, one day, he comes down. He's real serious about Jesus. Baby works out a little tear. Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, he's giving his life to Jesus. We're getting married. She's got the wedding bells in her ears and everything, and she's excited. But you know what happens? Then after they get married, then who he really is comes out. And you know what happens? He doesn't want to go to church. And it's not about going to church. It's about what you really want is you want a man who's going to share God's love with you. You don't want his love. He doesn't want your love. You want the love of Jesus coming through another person. And then all of a sudden, he doesn't know anything about the love of Jesus because he just got saved because he wanted to get married to the cute, shiny girl. And then before you know it, she's going to church. She's all by herself. And she's miserable at home because she's not getting the love of Jesus through this dude because he doesn't know it. And then all of a sudden, she's weeping. I've seen this so many times. See, you don't want to do missionary dating. You want to say, I want to see if God wants me to marry someone who I trust spiritually. 
Somebody who I can trust my life. A guy who would say, I care more about Jesus and this girl than I do about myself. And you're not going to find that anywhere in the world. But too many of us are thinking, well, if I date him, then maybe I'll show him Jesus and they'll get... It almost never works that way. Now, you guys, American culture isn't exactly pushing out wonderful, godly women either. So you guys, listen. You need to ask yourself, one, does this girl know that Jesus died on the cross for her? And two, is God asking me to lay down my life for this girl? Because I'm here to tell you, marriage as a man is a slow death. I get that right out of Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and what? Gave himself for her. And I'm here to tell you, you got to want to die for her. See, I've watched more godly people's lives get shipwrecked by relationships that they have no business being in. And I've seen it enough as a pastor that I have to warn you about it. But it's not only in this context. It's really unholy alliances in any context, whether it's business, whether it's this or that. Beware of unholy alliances. See, Jehoram goes to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat has no business making this deal. No business. But then Jehoram says, okay, so um, how do we want to get at this? And Jehoshaphat, he's smart. Because notice what he says in verse 8, he says, by the wilderness of Edom. Edom is south of Judah, and on the other side of the Dead Sea, there's Moab. You see that? So what Jehoshaphat says, instead of going right across, we're going to be vulnerable. If we come from the south and we come through the wilderness of Edom, we'll be able to reach Moab with no problem. And King Jehoshaphat also realizes that if they go south, They'll also pick up the armies of Edom as well, because Edom was the descendants of Esau, which was the brother of Jacob. So you have all the descendants of Jacob between Israel and Judah, and then they pick up the descendants of Esau. We got three armies going against the Moabites, right? And so that's what happens. They go on south, and they're going to come on in. But notice what happens. It says here, and this teaches us a lot in verse 9. It says, so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on the roundabout route seven days, and there was no water for the army nor the animals that followed them. For the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Now, we learn a little bit about Jehoram, right? He doesn't worship the true and living God, but right as he gets in trouble, he says, This is the Lord's fault. Capital O, capital O, capital R, capital E. This is how you know if you're involved in an unholy alliance. Because everything that good happens, they give the credit to someone else. And everything that bad is like, the Lord is nasty. He's mean. He's looking to mess us up. See, this is how the Lord works. And isn't that the voice of the enemy? Bringing accusation against the character of God. See, Jehoram doesn't know the true and living. He thinks God's just a meanie. Brothers and sisters, God's not mean. God created you and created me so that he can bring his blessings into your life and through your life. But because God is perfect, God also can't bless everything. And God actually loves you too much 
to bless the rebellion. Really, God loves you enough to give you the fruit of your rebellion so that you would learn you need to turn to him and change. See, Jehoram is an unholy alliance because he wants to blame God for the bad things. and He wants to take credit for the good things. Completely misses the point. But notice Jehoshaphat. Remember I told you Jehoshaphat was a godly king? Look at what he does in verse 11. Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And so one of the servants of the king of Israel, notice, this is Jehoram's servant. He says, yeah, Elisha, the son of Saphat, is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. See, Jehoshaphat's God, he's like, you know what? We need a prophet right now. We need to find out what's going on. See, and this is good counsel because if you don't know what's going on, you say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you up to? What an important question. We try and figure everything out instead of we ask the all-knowing one what's going on. But you got to ask yourself, what does your unholy alliances look like? Do you have them? Most of us do. Such a reminder, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 to 16. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Baliel? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Now again, I'm not saying we should be mean to non-believers. I'm not saying we shouldn't serve them. Listen, we talk a lot about rolling up our sleeves and serving the world in this place of pain in the name of Jesus. But there is difference between serving and friendship and an alliance. There's a big difference. I think for many of us, we're not figuring that difference out. And it's diminishing what God wants to do in our lives. Don't be unequally yoked in business. All these different things. It will hold you back from fulfilling the calling that God has. Now, I love this because servants of the king of Israel said, Elisha's here. He served the prophet Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, yeah, we need to go see that dude. We need to go catch that dude. We need to see him. Now, look at what happens. Verse 13. It says, then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before who I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you and your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city. You shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. So, brothers and sisters, if you want to be God's inside man or inside woman, 
You need to break the cycle of the past. You need, each one of us need to beware of unholy alliances. And then each one of us need to get a word from the Lord. Each one, that's a good old school church idea. We need to get a word from the Lord. Now listen, we have a word from the Lord and it's called the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. Now, I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that God will raise up a prophetic voice in his church. But every prophetic word you hear, you need to weigh it against the book. You know why? Because if you don't, you'll hear all sorts of crazy stuff. and You'll shipwreck your life of faith. Because no prophet will point you away from this book. This is why God gave us his word for a reason. And every single prophetic word we hear, we need to weigh it against Scripture. What does God's written word says? But in the midst of our situations, we need to get a word from the Lord. See, Jehoshaphat realizes we have a problem here. We're seven days in the wilderness of Edom. We got three kingdoms, armies here. We got no water. We need to hear from God. And I love it because they go to Elisha and Elisha sees Jehoram, the king of Israel, and he straight up gives him some business. That's like New Jersey for you, right? He gives him some business. Look at what, no, don't miss this. This is the king of Israel and this is a prophet, right? The prophet says to him, I love this. Verse 13, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. He's like, oh. He's like, why are you here? Ahab and Jezebel, they had all their prophets of Baal. What are you doing here? Why isn't your God speaking? And I love it. Pretty confrontational, isn't he? You think that's bad? Look at what he says next. It's beautiful. Verse 14, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Damn. Elisha, man, he's from Jersey. He's like, forget about you, man. Who are you? I like that about the prophet, though. He's not afraid to confront what's wrong. He's like, the reason you're here is because your gods have no mojo. They got nothing going for them. That's why you're here. And he says, if it wasn't for the fact that Jehoshaphat is a godly king, I wouldn't even be seeing you right now. But because he's here, okay. And they bring over, I love this. They bring over a musician. That's a word for you musicians. You write that down. The hand of the Lord came upon with the music. Mm -mm. Music does have an amazing power. How God can use music. Isn't it true? All of us, a song can bring you right back to a moment. It's powerful. It's another sermon for another day. But I love this because the Lord comes upon the prophet because Elisha is God's inside man. And Elisha says, listen, I want you to dig ditches. And he says, water's going to come. Water's going to come. But it's not going to come from wind. It's not going to come from rain. The valley's going to be filled with water. Enough water for everybody. And then I love what he says. He says, and this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hands. And you shall attack every fortified city. Just ruin all the cities. Now, 
I want you to notice something. I think this is super important. When you get a word from the Lord, it's not enough just to hear the word. That word needs to be mixed with faith. Because it's not like they just did it. They got a word, and then there's something that they have to do. And brothers and sisters, I talk about this so much because it's real life. The problem with walking by faith is that we have to walk by faith. See, I believe there's many of you right now, you have gotten promises out of God's word, and all of a sudden it's there, but you're not actually acting on it. You've heard it, but you don't actually put feet on it. And it's in mixing the word of God with faith that stuff happens. This reminds me, of course, of Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith chapter. In verse 1, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And then in Hebrews eleven six, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. See, brothers and sisters, it's not enough just to get the word. Now you need to trust in the Lord of the word and walk it out. And I realize that for many of you, you got the word, but the step of faith is the hardest thing. It's you know what God wants, but it's to put legs on it and live it out. And all through your Bible, we learn that God needs us to prepare for what he wants to do. There's a part that you and I play in this whole thing. So I want to encourage you, put faith into practice. God's given you a word, take a step with it, see what he wants to do. But for many of us, we hear the word and we actually don't want to take the step. And this is a great example of it. God has given a word of victory and provision, but there's something the children of Israel and Judah and Edom have to do. Now, remember I talked about how God's ways are weird? You and I need to follow God's strange plan. You need to follow God's strange Listen to God's plan. They've been in the wilderness for a week, and there's no water. Now, remember, this is in present-day Israel. It's not like Clark County, Washington, where... The last thing we need right now is water. I mean, you walk outside and you are fully hydrated. You don't even need to put it in your mouth, right? It's like you got mist everywhere, right? This is the middle of the desert. They've been in the wilderness for seven days. There's no water. And what's God's counsel? Dig ditches. How would you feel about that? If that was God's word for you, I think you'd say, uh, excuse me? Isn't that what you'd say? I mean, you're thirsty. You're tired. No one has any. You want me to, imagine if I told you to dig ditches right now. You'd be like, forget Fusco. I'm going to go find another church. You want to dig ditches. I mean, even in a fully hydrated culture like we have, digging ditches is not a whole lot of fun. They're thirsty in the middle of an arid climate and it's hot and God's counsel is dig ditches. Strange, right? And then he says, and there's going to be no wind, there's going to be no rain, and the water's going to show up. Does that sound like a good plan? How many of you like that plan on face value? None of us do. You want me to get more tired, more thirsty, and there's going to be no wind and no rain, and water's going to show up? Like, exactly how's that going to work, almighty God? 
It's a strange plan. But notice what happens. And this is so awesome. Just stay focused. This is powerful. Because look at what happens. In verse 20, now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered and they stood at the border. Verse 22, then they rose up early in the morning and the sun was shining on the water and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood and they said, this is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spoil. So when they came into the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. And they destroyed the cities. And each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it. And they stopped up all the springs of water, cut down all the good trees, and they left the stones of Kir Hareseth intact. However, the slingers surrounded and attacked it. When the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel, so they departed from him return to their own land. And this is kind of a crazy ending, right? See God's strange plan? They're thirsty. They're tired. Dig ditches. So they do it. The next morning they wake up and water just comes from Edom. It just comes and it fills all of the canals, all the places where there's water. And you can imagine for the children of Israel, the children of Judah and the children of Edom, they were like, we have water. But you notice God's plan wasn't just to give them water. Because what happened to the Moabites? They were ready for a battle. They heard the kings came out. And when the sun rose, that morning sun coming up on the horizon, that arid climate, they saw all the water and they said, it's blood. In their minds, they said, the armies of Judah and Israel, they all fought each other and they're all dead. And they said, let's go take the spoil. It's the booties of war. Let's go get it. And they come on down, not together, not in lockstep. They all come down, and what happens? Those armies didn't kill each other. God's provision set the stage for the victory. See, this is why it's God's strange plan. They just wanted water. God's like, no, no, no. I got a plan for the whole victory. This was infinitely easier than any plan that Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and the king of Edom had. Because God has got this. All through your Bibles, there's God's strange plan. On every page, in every story, there is a plan that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Jesus is real. In today's message, we watched as the various kings made unholy alliances with each other. And Pastor Daniel asked us the crucial question, what are your unholy alliances? As we close today, take a moment to ponder that question and make a plan to break those alliances. In dating, business partnerships, and all of life, remember that there is a vital difference between loving and caring for people and aligning yourself with them. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will separate the truth of being an inside man from the fairy tale version we want to tell ourselves. We like to believe that everything is going to go great when we choose to pick up the mantle and be God's inside man or woman. But the truth is, it's when everything is falling apart that God's glory is able to be seen through you. That is when he shows his power. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Inside Man. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.